section twelve of seven roman statesmen of the later republic by charles oman this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami chapter five sulla part four it is curious to note that sulla with all his astuteness overlooked one fact that an ambitious proconsul in a province at the head of an army might be quite as troublesome to the senate as an ambitious consul at rome proposing laws to the people yet his own career ought to have taught him that a governor in greece or gaul with half a dozen faithful legions was the greatest danger of all he did realize the peril as it would seem but merely provided against it by enacting that any imperator who crossed the frontier of his province at the head of an army or refused to quit it within a month of his successor's arrival should become ipso facto a public enemy this no doubt clearly defined high treason but it gave no sufficient security against it the republic was ultimately to be overthrown by an adventurer of this kind by a provincial governor who dared to cross the rubicon whatever might be the legal consequence because he was well aware that his legions would follow him against any enemy whom he might choose to indicate to them the real remedy against this peril would have been to separate the military from the civil command in each province to have a governor who was merely an administrator and a commander-in-chief who reported directly to the senate but this plan does not seem to have entered into the dictator's mind sulla made a large increase in the number of the annual magistrates raising the praetors to eight and the quaestors to twenty but it is improbable that he intended as some have supposed to decrease the importance of each office by multiplying the numbers of those who held it incidentally this result might follow but it is probable that the dictator was merely studying the convenience of the state for till his day the administration was decidedly undermanned nor again does it seem to be true that he deliberately deprived the consuls of their military power for their year of office by arranging that they should stay in rome where no legions would be at their disposal and only utilize their imperium when they went out as proconsuls to their provinces in the succeeding year the usage that the consul should remain at home unless urgent military matters drew him out of italy had already begun to grow up before sulla's time and on the other hand there are a few cases after his death in which the consul left the city and assumed command of an army before his year had expired for example this was certainly done by cotta and lucullus in the first year of the third mithridatic war it would seem that sulla made the quaestorship qualify its holder for a seat in the senate so that the governing body of the state was no longer filled up by the censors but recruited automatically from the influx of young magistrates in this way he abolished the necessity for a censorship and made the senate independent of the likes and dislikes of individual holders of that office having thus muzzled the tribunes and curbed the consuls sulla had next to deal with the third enemy of the senate the equestrian order it will be remembered that a disproportionate share of the massacre of the fourth proscription had fallen upon them no less than sixteen hundred had been put to death so that the democratic wing of the knighthood had been almost exterminated 
at the other end of the line sulla had promoted a very large number of equites of optimate views to a seat in the senate so that in legislating against the body he was not striking at his own friends his object was to loosen the bonds which held together the rather heterogeneous classes which formed the equestrian order these bonds were firstly their honorary privileges the augusti clave toga the gold ring and the rows of reserved seats in circus and theatre secondly their monopoly of the control of the jury courts which they had used so unscrupulously as a weapon against the senate and the provincial magistrates thirdly their tax-farming privileges especially the most profitable enactment of gaius gracchus which handed over the collecting of the tithes of asia to the societates sulla therefore launched a whole series of measures against the equestrian order one bill took away the entire control of the law courts from them and restored it to the senators once more the latter became the only persons eligible as jurymen as in the days before gaius gracchus they could look forward to being tried by a friendly instead of a hostile court if they incurred prosecution and were able to audit their own accounts inside the family the equites suffered but not the empire for the previous state of things had been so bad that any change must have profited the provincials a second bill put an end to the system of tax farming in asia and imposed on each of its cities a fixed tribute instead of the tithes this was an enormous boon to the asiatics but probably the way in which the measure commended itself to sulla's mind had nothing to do with their point of view he made the change because it would be unpalatable to the knights who lost an unparalleled source of money-making when the tax-farming disappeared we may compare him to the puritans of old who abolished bear-baiting not because it was cruel to the bear but because it gave so much pleasure to the audience yet another bill of which the details have unfortunately perished would seem to have deprived the equites of many of their honorary privileges especially of their seats in the circus these they did not recover till the law of roscius otto restored them in b c sixty seven there were many other cornelian laws outside the three great groups with which we have been dealing one abolished the corn dole a most admirable measure for which we should admire the dictator more if we could only suppose that he was acting on economic reasons and not merely doing his best to disoblige the urban multitude others systematized the organization of the law courts which had hitherto been arranged in a very haphazard fashion very prominent among his innovations was the law which added new courts for the trial of criminal offences quaestiones perpetuae to those already existing so that every form of offence had for the future its proper venue but of these legal matters we have no leisure to speak nor need we say much concerning his colonial schemes he settled many of his veterans in etruria and samnium on the lands of the cities which he had destroyed for obstinate adherence to the democratic cause but he can hardly have expected his colonies to prove economic successes considering the character of the settlers who had long been estranged from the soil and the indisputable fact that farming had long ceased to pay in central italy 
they were no doubt merely intended to last out sulla's own day and to supply him for a time with a compact block of adherents accustomed to arms and cantoned in the close vicinity of rome it is a curious commentary on the wisdom of the step that ruined sullen veterans formed sixteen years later an appreciable element in the army of catiline sulla as every one knows laid down his dictatorship in january b c seventy nine after holding it for two years when he had passed all his long code of constitutional enactments and had seen the last embers of civil war die down he laid aside the trappings of power and retired into private life he had no personal ambition and when his work was finished and the new constitution had been set going he resolved to let it have the chance of a fair start without the danger of overbalance caused by the perpetual presence of his own mighty personality for the sullen regime had in it no place for sullas the whole scheme of laws had been framed to keep down over great men and he was well aware that he was himself over great as a conscientious oligarch it was his duty to remove himself from power and to resign the abnormal office that he had held throughout b c eighty one and eighty his function for the future was to stand by outside the machine to watch it work and to step in to lend his aid if ever it showed signs of getting out of gear his notion of how the new constitution could best be maintained may be gathered from the curious story of the death of lucretius ofella that distinguished officer the captor of Prineste, so far presumed on his late services that he boldly proposed to break sulla's lex annalis by standing for the consulate before he had held the praetorship sulla gave him fair warning that he would not be allowed to take the office but he refused to listen and made a formal canvass in the form after the usual style while ofella was going his rounds with his white toga in the crowded market-place his chief quietly told two centurions to cut him down they did so and when an uproar began sulla stepped forward to take all the blame and responsibility and to offer to stand his trial for murder no one dared to come forward as a prosecutor and so he got off scot-free the story has several morals clearly the constitution was still so weak that an ambitious man could venture to attack it ere it was but two years old only sulla himself could defend it but as long as he survived it was safe if he could have looked forward to twenty years of life he might have dragooned the roman people into an acceptance of it but he was already elderly and ailing innovators should start young and live long like the emperor augustus what would have happened to the imperial system if augustus had died at the age of forty instead of living on till he was seventy-six no doubt sulla's constitution was doomed from the first to failure but at any rate the experiment of restoring the oligarchy was worth trying the opposite political device of the democrats that of endeavouring to transact all the business of the city and the empire in the comitia had proved utterly impracticable under cinna's domination such a regime had been working for nearly four years with the most deplorable results the popular programme had been tried and found wanting it had run to nothing more than corn largesses and the repudiation of debts at the touch of the sword the democratic government had fallen to pieces 
merely because it commanded neither respect nor affection from any quarter sulla's scheme to set up a senate unhampered by any other power in the state and possessing full and complete sovereignty was at least equally worth a trial it failed no doubt mainly from the want of men able and willing to work the system when the old dictator had passed away for he left behind him a senate most unfitted to carry on his great plan not a number of men of good average ability each ready to take his turn of duty and power and not desirous of grasping it more but quite the opposite sort of assembly a multitude of non-entities and incapables mixed with a few ambitious young generals the heart and core of the old optimate party had perished in the marian massacres in spite of all its faults the senate down to the days of the civil war had always contained a certain number of men of mark and respectability persons such as antonius the orator catullus the victor over the cimbri crassus the father of the triumvir the consuls octavius and merula all these had been slain by marius and cinna of the optimate senators none survived save those who had been protected by their own insignificance and the few who had been absent with sulla in greece when the civil war broke out the reconstructed senate of b c eighty one therefore was mainly composed of a mass of trivial and unimportant persons whose nothingness had caused them to escape cinna's eye but seated among them were the military men who had come to the front during the fighting such as ophella crassus and pompey these young generals as was but natural were not content to take their single turn of power and office in company with the herd of nobodies they were ambitious and yearned for the carriere ouverte au talon in which the able man could not only reach the front but stay there the slow oligarchic rotation which sulla had invented was odious to them and they were in the end driven to overthrow the new constitution in order that they might be able to assert themselves over the mediocrities there was no resisting power among the majority no true heir of sulla's breed survived to bind them together and to rally them to fight in behalf of the oligarchic system so the great dictator's constitution fell almost undefended only ten years after it had been created this at any rate was not sulla's fault he did his best with the material set before him he constructed the first logical and well-planned constitution that rome had ever known a triumph of ingenuity because it changed the essentials while leaving the external features still in existence it was a thoroughly practical scheme for the governance of city and empire by a pure oligarchy if it failed it was because the machine was cleverly built but its mainspring was not strong enough to keep the wheels moving that is it demanded that the average senator should attain a certain moderate level of courage capacity and patriotism but the fathers as a body were lacking in all these three essentials in the hands of the senators of the third century before christ the sullen constitution could have been worked but in b c eighty the motive power was too weak through no fault of sulla's and the machine was bound to run down as long as he stood beside it to give the pendulum an occasional swing the clock continued to go when he died it ticked feebly for a short time and then stopped it was ruinous to the oligarchy that sulla should have survived only a little more than a year after he laid down the dictatorship for himself his early death was probably not so unfortunate it saved him from many disappointments 
even before he died he had suffered one at least in seeing marcus lepidus elected to the consulship contrary to his expressed desire but on the whole his last year was one of prosperity for the first time for many a long day he was free from the cares of office and could live as he pleased his powers of enjoyment do not seem to have been the least impaired by advancing years he had still to make up for that youth spent in involuntary frugality just before he laid down the dictatorship he had married a young wife the story of their first meeting as told by plutarch gives an amazing picture of the light-heartedness of the man who had just waded through all the blood of the proscriptions the dictator was one day presenting the people with a show of gladiators and it chanced that a lady of great beauty and good family sat close behind sulla her name was valeria the daughter of messala and the sister of hortensius the orator she had lately divorced her first husband this lady coming gently behind sulla pinched off a thread from the edge of his toga and then passed back to her seat but he much amazed at the familiarity looked round at her whereupon she said do not wonder sir at what i have done i had only a mind to get a shred of your good luck sulla was far from being displeased on the contrary it appeared that he was agreeably flattered for he sent to ask her name and to inquire into her family then followed all through the games the exchange of side looks and smiles which ended ultimately in a contract of marriage now it seems to me that sulla though he got a wife of great beauty and accomplishments came into the match on wrong principles for like a boy he was caught with soft looks and languishing airs sulla's last year was spent in his villa in campania near putioli whither he retired and dwelt amid a court of clever and dissolute companions who kept him amused he devoted his time partly to writing his memoirs he finished the twenty-second book of them two days before he died partly to pleasures reputable and disreputable of all sorts the tale that his last months were vexed with a loathsome disease which rendered life insupportable is probably an invention of his enemies it has been attributed to half a dozen well-hated tyrants the last of whom was philip the second of spain but it is certain that sulla died from breaking a blood vessel rather than from any lingering ailment in the leisure of his last year he found time for business he kept a keen eye on roman affairs and drafted a constitution for the neighbouring town of putioli at the request of its inhabitants his last recorded act was a strange and violent interference in politics which much recalls the story of Ophella. the quaestor granius was making himself notorious by embezzlements and openly said that he should escape punishment because the ex-dictator was dying sulla lured him to his bedside by a polite message and then had him seized and strangled in his very presence by his slaves the excitement of the scene caused him to rupture a blood vessel and he died of exhaustion next day his party being still in power he received the most magnificent funeral that rome had ever seen his monument was erected in the most conspicuous part of the campus martius and two centuries later was still visible plutarch says that it bore a curious and characteristic epitaph composed by the dictator himself in which he said that no friend ever did him so much good or enemy so much harm but that he had repaid him with full interest End of section twelve